It's Monday the 10th of February and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, does television still rule the airwaves? The Academy Award for Best Picture. Despite falling ratings, the Oscars still mean big business for advertisers and the box office. We'll look at why, even in the age of streaming, television isn't always just a numbers game. Plus, we'll look at why the UK is unveiling a new migration museum this week. I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Last night's Academy Awards ceremony probably won't do anything to change the downwards trajectory of the ceremony's TV ratings. The Oscars have been losing their status as must-watch television for years, and yet advertisers still flock year after year to buy ad space during its Sunday night slot. Monocle's Fernando Augusto Pacheco has been up all night watching the awards and he joins me now. Fernando, you're looking remarkably good this early in the morning after pulling an all-nighter. Look, we do keep hearing about how television is the old world and today is all about streaming and yet the Oscars are still a really big deal for television networks. Why is that? And I think it it will remain so, uh, Ben. I mean, think about it. There are not many opportunities for people to gather around, especially when it comes to entertainment. I think the sports world were covered. We have the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the Olympics, and people still watch this uh, quite a lot. Why should it be different uh, with the Oscars? I mean, sure, they don't, uh, you know, have ratings like 57 million people watching the States, like in 98, when Titanic won. But for example, we saw it uh, last year. We don't have uh, so far the ratings for this year. Uh, you know, there were no hosts. People were worried. But actually, there was, there's been a little uptick in the people watching in a way. So I think if they get some things right, perhaps make the ceremony a little bit more fun. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they're still relevant. Uh, and, and, you know, wanting or not, last year, 30 million people were, were watching the Oscars. I think that's more than what people watch, you know, any series in the United States at the moment. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, look, television ratings are always a game of demographics. You can have a, a large audience share, but not necessarily translate that into big advertising dollars. You only need to look as far as Fox News to understand that having an older demographic, for example, not so uh, attractive to a lot of ad buyers. Uh, Fernando, every year someone seems to remind us that Oscars don't necessarily matter when it comes to evaluating someone's legacy. Alfred Hitchcock never won an Oscar, and so on and so on the argument goes. But look, when we look at the box office for a film, okay, so maybe not everything will go on to become a classic, but being nominated can still give you quite a boost at the box office. Oh, absolutely. And we had a very recent example with Moonlight winning Best Picture. As soon as he won, the following weekend was their best weekend ever, even though the film has been, you know, out and about for a few weeks already. So, you know, okay, we criticize the Oscars. I I think they they even know that they are not, perhaps, you know, it doesn't mean that it's the best film. It just means that more people like it than than, than didn't like in a way so in the end they made like a the common choice not necessarily like the most outstanding film and we understand that but I think the Oscar is a great season uh, for smaller films for dramas that perhaps people wouldn't watch you know during the year so around the Oscar season like November to March more or less you know, you see kind of proper adults going to the cinema, you know, and it's not necessarily uh, going to superhero film or a blockbuster. I think this is very he- healthy. And Ben, it's not only the US. I mean, I'm from Brazil. Everybody talks about the Oscars in Brazil. I'm sure they talk in Australia. They talk here in the UK. 
it is an international event. I know a lot of people say it's a local village here. It is a party for LA. There's a lack of international films in there. But, you know, everybody's interested. And I think it's very beneficial for the industry as well. Absolutely. And look, with so many things uh, being on streaming now and, and on demand, there is something still to be said about having that, that common topic to talk about when you come into the office the next morning. Oh, did you watch this? You know, you don't have to worry about, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not up to that bit yet. Don't, don't spoil it for me. Uh, there is that collective experience to it. Uh, so... Faye, even if we accept that cinema is no longer a dominant form of entertainment, well, perhaps not like it was anyway, is it still fair to say that the business side of the awards ceremony is still in pretty good shape? I think so. I think there are things to be improved, and I think the Oscars are doing that already. Being hostless, to be honest, it kind of worked. I mean, it's, it's been the second year so far uh, with our host, and I think perhaps they might continue that. Uh, but of course, they have to keep the ceremony fun, uh, current, to attract the younger audience, which is very important. And that's where, uh, you know, the advertisers are. There's this problem of diversity as well, which I guess... To be fair, the Oscars, they are looking into that. I mean, you see other award ceremonies like the Grammys, which in my opinion, they're even worse uh, when, when it comes to that. Uh, in a way, people talk as well about the length that is too long. I disagree with that. You know, people spend, I don't know how long is the Super Bowl. I mean, it's 100 million people watching that. So I think keep it long, but keep it fun. Fernando Augusto Pacheco, great advice as always. Thank you. Back home to London now, where a timely new museum is set to open its doors later this week. London is already renowned for its museums, but this week we'll see a novel addition to its cultural scene. Opening on the 14th of February, the Migration Museum is the first place in the UK dedicated to exploring how the movement of people, both to and from the country, has helped shape it over the centuries. With the UK seeking to redefine its place in the world and its relationships with neighbours near and far, it couldn't be more timely. Exhibitions planned for this year include Room to Breathe, which will bring to life the lives of migrants coming here, and Departures, which will look at 400 years of immigration stories to coincide with the anniversary of the Mayflower setting sail to North America. As debates grow over who should be allowed to come here and who should be kept out, it's useful to remember that migration is an essential part of human history. There's another interesting aspect to the Migration Museum. It's in South London's busy Lewisham Shopping Centre. It's an unusual choice, but a considered one. The museum's director, Sophie Henderson, says it's all about being accessible, breaking down barriers and reaching wider audiences. It's also a smart move from the perspective of the shopping centre. As high street retailers and malls increasingly struggle, a genuine cultural attraction might be just a ticket to get more people moving in their direction. A view there from our editorial floor. Elsewhere on today's agenda, German Chancellor Angela Merkel visited Angola on Friday. And later this week, it will be the turn of the US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, as part of a three-country tour of sub-Saharan Africa. The talks revolve around trade and economic ties, but the timing of such high-profile visits is a show of support for Angola's president, Juan Lorenzo who surprised many by confronting Africa's richest woman, Isabel dos Santos, and charging her with economic crimes. 
and Canada is launching a design competition to reimagine one of the most prominent sites in the country, an entire city block across from Ottawa's Parliament buildings. Block B currently houses 11 buildings, only two of them are heritage protected and most are in need of major renovations. The goal of the new competition is to transform the block from a mishmash of buildings into a more coherent complex that, while housing offices for the House of Commons and Senate, better serves both city and government. Those hoping to participate have until the 21st of February to register, though there are restrictions on who is eligible to enter. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I'm Ben Ryland. The Monocle Minute returns on Tuesday.